Hey, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We have a fantastic guest, Kim Donovan, <laughs> who is a you fantastic actress. <laughs> How are you, Kim? I'm fine. How are She's you guys? The fold. <laughs> <laughs> she loves the music. Good, good, good. <laughs> Kim Donovan, you are currently in Dirty Butterfly. I am. Uh, which is uh, produced by Anton's Well. Mm-hmm. And you are also our Ellen for Four Men in Paris, yes. and we are fan- we are just we're blessed to have you. Have oh. you yeah, been doing a fantastic job? <laughs> that's that's lovely to hear. When I everything comes together. It's kind of wonderful. Absolutely. I remember when Norman was saying Norman had said, you know, there's this woman named Kim, and you know she's going to be doing it, but she's doing another show. I'm like, oh wait a minute, are we splitting actresses and all that sort of stuff? And then all of a sudden you came, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, I work with you for the Playwright Center. That's right. Small world yeah. because mm. you and I know David Stein. David Stein brought you in, right? He did. Yeah. Oh, good. So, small world. We're and I know thank you David too. from Stagebridge. Oh, right. Which is where I saw you for the first time. So, my wow. world is yeah. expanding and shrinking all at the same time. That's kind of cool. That's yeah. awesome. Well, as I ask you uh, each time we do the podcast, and we've missed a podcast, so we have some catching up to do. But did we? Yeah. I think we did. I, I don't know. It Wednesday. feels like we it's did been a Wednesday. Wow. We did a Wednesday one. So, That's right. it's been 10 days. Yeah. So, how was your week? You just had a uh, bike ride. I just today. today came off of my birthday bike ride. I, I celebrate a thing I call the birthday season. Um, I recommend it to anybody. And I basically started it after I turned 50 because ramping up to a big number is a lot of energy. And then you get to 51 and you're like, well, what do I do now? I did 50. What, what the hell? So, <laughs> I uh, for 50, I had, for 50 days before my birthday, I had just started you know, planning things, doing things, thinking about this incoming, you know, this upcoming birthday. Woo. Um, so 51, I just added a day. And then I started going, wait a minute, this is a birthday season. So the birthday season is whatever year you're going to turn, that many days before your birthday is the beginning of your birthday season. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's it's, great. it's fun. Um, and the first year, I, the first year I got crazy because um, I started doing all these multiplications. Like, how many times have you been this number? So fifty-one is what is it? Seventeen. Three times seventeen. Mm. So mm-hmm. I tried to have seventeen events. <laughs> um, it was it was kind of wild, um, and I did a lot more drinking than I than I needed to. <laughs> Which, by the way, I had well, not champagne but prosecco today. So all right, I did have. <laughs> I finally had a drink. There you um, go. But, yeah, birthday season is just trying to do all these things. Well, uh, five years ago now, um, it turns out that a high school classmate lives in the area, and his birthday is close to mine. And he said his birthday was coming up. And I had said, I want to do this ride on my birthday. And he came out. Had not seen this man in decades. And, in fact, when I remember him from school, he was a little boy because he's like a year younger than me. And now he's, you know, over six foot tall. He's a big man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was kind of cool, and we did the ride. And so we've done the ride every year since. So this was our sixth. And Mara, excuse me, um, and I were just dating when we did the first ride. And she has never made it on one of the rides. She was quibbling with me because we got rained out one year. And so we ended up making up a ride a little while later, just he and – I and she, but which is the only one she'd made until today. And today, she rode with me to the ride the first time and then didn't go, went off to do a gig. Um, and she's worked almost every, mm. well, pretty much every one, I guess. 
Um, and even today, she's on her way to the city now to go do a gig with We Players. Yeah. So that's been big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just ramping up to that was wonderful. It was a fun day. And we finished at Ikea. The Ikea Cafe – well, Ikea is – there's a bike path, and it starts Ikea very smartly. Said, yeah, 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 you can put that there. So it's right off of the parking lot at Ikea. Um, and so we take the ride, and then we come back, and they have a beautiful cafe. If you have not been, I cannot say enough about how wonderful the cafe is. The prices are good. Um, you get Swedish meatballs, of course. But you can also get smoked salmon. You could get Swedish meatballs and smoked salmon and something to drink all together, and it's probably less than $12. You know, it's just – it's a wonderful – Place and the food is good, and then you're up on the cafe is up on the second level, so you overlook. So you're looking between the uh, the overpasses that all come together to mm-hmm. head up towards you know Berkeley, mm-hmm. um, and you're looking out across the bay. So it's actually a very beautiful view. Um, the food's good, and we were able to secure enough tables so we could put, get our whole crew together today. Mm-hmm. So oh, how, how many people wonderful. were there? Oh, geez. Um, well, there were like on the ride. I think there were eight or nine. Yeah, maybe 10. We had two people who didn't make it all the way to the island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or no, one guy we didn't think was going to make it, but after – and we had toasted already. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he showed up. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and we picked up the other guy on uh-huh. the way back. Wow, uh, and then two people really came yeah. who didn't come on the bike ride, but they knew we'd do the Ikea thing, so they came and joined us there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a nice little that's time. Nice. Awesome. And your birthday haircut looks nice. And, yeah, <laughs> that, that's the other new thing is mm-hmm. I, I got my hair <laughs> – my hair and Reg's hair are probably yeah. about the same length. <laughs> exactly. Mine grows quickly. So if you're worried that <laughs> that uh, it's going to look this way opening mm. night, it, it won't. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it. But no, that would be that cut would actually work fine. Yep. That's, so that's you know very much uh, within the sixty range. I think so. Yeah, because yeah. I remember Cassius Clay, uh, aka um, Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali he, he yeah. wanted the flat top as well. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and other than that, it's just rehearsals. Yeah. Getting yeah. ready for the show. Exactly. Oh, exactly. and I started teaching, which if we get time, I would love to talk about. Oh, but fantastic. No, no, I, it's a class <laughs> that I've been teaching for years. Actually, so all this stuff sort of happened at the same time. I started working at this place in the summer, um, so I'm starting my sixth fall with them, um, and that's where me and Mara met, and we got together. Um, I haven't taught the class. I didn't teach last fall, and I didn't teach – last spring this you know this just past spring um but i was talking we've been in conversation i've done other things for them and so i yeah i just had my first class thursday Mm -hmm. and we'll see (laughs) no it's uh, definitely um the the issue is monologue and i'm not teaching a monologue class because like that would be too easy apparently i'm teaching a beginning monologue class which means that the end product is not to have the students do a monologue. Huh, that's weird. That's did did you set weird. this criteria or someone else did? No, no, no. I was told because okay. in their minds, somehow there is not just a monologue class, a final monologue class, mm-hmm. but there's also an intermediary class. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, laugh out loud. This is just insane. Hmm. So, yes, this is my week. This is my world. So we, you we, just we, talk about doing monologues? Apparently, yes. We talk about in that someday when you grow up, there's going to be this thing called a monologue. In the <laughs> the boss's mind, um, and it's so funny. I hope he doesn't listen. To yeah, this. I was, that's why Actually, I wasn't laughing. Out I don't. Loud. Mind. No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, if I got fired off of this, I would be so fine. 
um, because I think it makes no sense. I don't think the man knows what he's talking about. But in his mind, the advanced class, the final class, is audition prep. And I'm like, uh, audition prep is a totally different animal from monologue. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I'm supposed to come up with a <coughs> curriculum that somehow is the entry ramp, the on-ramp to monologue without actually accomplishing monologue. You know, it's funny. I'm go back to when Signing I went. Signing up for the class yeah, is no. the on-ramp. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. <laughs> but I remember uh, both in high school and in college, well, mainly in high school when we did monologues, we only focused on monologues and beats and stuff like that. I would have loved to have had a class where someone talked to me about, hey, when you go into an audition, right. here's what the questions you ask the director. Right. And ask about the play, right? And even ask about the business part of it, like yeah. you know, what's what what the money look like, right. and, yeah. and what's the commitment? When are your hours? Exactly. Yeah, and even what is your style as a director? Do I want to? Because right. you're not just auditioning for the play; you're they're auditioning for you, you know, because you may not want to work with them. World, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure Kim, you've had to deal with you know working with a project for several months, and you're like, oh my god, what have I got myself into? Yeah, but I I think. I mean, part of the joy of the process is, for me, being forced into someone else's style a little bit, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. like having to figure that out and think about it a different way because I can get yeah. real caught up in my head. So, mm. Oh, sure, sure. Right. Yeah. But I guess I was talking more about, like, I've had, we've had some female uh, from actresses talk about um, people being inappropriate. <clears throat> oh, sure. You know, that's what it's yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd want to know <laughs> who you can work with, who you can't work sure. with. And, you know, if someone has, you know. <laughs> you don't really know till you're in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no way. <laughs> and once you've said yes, once you've made that commitment, yeah. you're married to it. You're, yep. you're locked in. You mean in. you haven't done the naked audition? <laughs> <laughs> no casting couch, hopefully. <laughs> well, if you have stories, you know, this is the time to share. <laughs> Let's get into current events. Speaking of women's issues, um, it's is announced today. Oh, God. I'm looking at the Washington Post. Kavanaugh accuser accepts Senate's panel request to testify. Right. Lawyers say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's recent news. Doctor, yeah. Doctor Ford, right? On the way, on the way here, I heard, I heard them say that her people had agreed that she wanted to testify, but they're still they've been fighting over the details of this, and I think they should. That's my feeling. But yeah. I think the bigger story is the um, why I didn't report. That has been huge. I mm-hmm. tried to go on Twitter the other day, and sometimes you know it'll pop up the trending, what is mm-hmm. trending today. Yeah. That was top of the list, no problem. And so I clicked, and I started going through. These are women who have been sexually harassed and These did not report These are all it. kinds of women who mm-hmm. have not reported some event, rape, sexual harassment, whatever, mm-hmm. and they tell all the reasons why they yeah. didn't report. So – because what's happening is Republicans are going, and even the president has said, well, why did she wait so long? Or why wouldn't she? She would have said something back then. So to prove mm-hmm. that this is a ridiculous line of thought, this thousands, mm-hmm. at least thousands of women are just joining it. And it's weird as a man because it's like all I can do is like this. I can't yeah. – and, you know, and yeah. tell you that I think it's great that you're putting this out there, but yeah. – you're talking about some of the most horrific things that happen in people's lives, mm-hmm. and they are being forced yeah. to now disclose them yeah. because of these idiots mm-hmm. who are going, well, this doesn't make any sense. And you can't disclose something like that without going through the trauma all over again. Right. It exactly. Doesn't, it doesn't lessen the impact yeah. any. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and people are bringing up Anita Hill all over again. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. and which is a wonderful thing. And I've seen Anita Hill. I think she she was on the Colbert Report. Yeah, talking about how a lot of things have not changed at all. Um, well, that's what that's what we're going to see this week. Mm-hmm. We're going to see if they can avoid doing because it wasn't just the Republicans. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to remember that committee was run by the Democrats. Yeah, and the Democrats were not kind <coughs> to her. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, yeah. and also we know a lot more about investigating mm-hmm. sexual assault and sexual harassment now. What's appropriate? What isn't appropriate? What's badgering? What's you know. Mm-hmm. That you were not a prosecutor trying to take down this poor person. You're, yeah. you are supposedly trying to get to the truth as best as can be done. Yeah. So there, and that's the smartest thing they did is to say that they're going to have an independent, you mm-hmm. know, bring somebody in from outside. But who is that person? If they're going to come at it in a prosecutorial way, it's just going to be as ugly as possible, which is going to be great for the elections. <laughs> yeah, you know, the yeah. interesting political take is. If Kavanaugh gets, you know, appointed, uh, it, 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 you know, it may rile up the Democrats. <laughs> so we just interrupted for that's for okay. Me getting a job, but, uh, but uh, wearing a conservative <laughs> suit and a clown wig and a clown nose. There you go. As long as they pay. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting. So if Kavanaugh gets elected, I'm not elected, but if he get, he becomes he the confirmed. next, if he yeah. gets confirmed, that may embolden Democrats. For the midterms, if he doesn't, that may also embolden. So it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's going to be well. The nice thing is, if we don't, mm-hmm. if we don't, and the midterms go our way, mm-hmm. then Trump will have to put up somebody reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because that's you know, like Obama, don't like Obama. You got to admit that Merrick Garland was about reasonable. as reasonable yes. as you could get. This is a man who was just about as milk toast. When it comes to being liberal, he's mm-hmm. not even on the list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so come on. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's your turn, and you people get to put mm-hmm. somebody up, but put somebody up who's. Don't tell us this person isn't going to flip things and overturn things when this man has made any number of decisions mm-hmm. that were clearly outside of, of the mainstream. Of course, of course. Uh, Kim, what do you think about all of this? Also, I want to add the whole Serena Williams thing, because that's something I really wanted to talk about as well. And it also deals with women's issues. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? Oh. Yeah, have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, I mean, it's for those who haven't. So she, she lost the uh, U.S. Open to a wonderful, uh, wonderful, Young talented, um, I'm trying to think of her name, uh, Naomi Osaka, I think that was her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That you know, she was heavily criticized, or she criticized the judge, the, the, the umpire, umpire yes. who has a history of uh, being hard on men on and women. Oh, okay. That's what that's what I heard. Okay. Um, but they had been on Serena Williams. I'm talking about the U.S. Open and really women's tennis, right. the WTA, on her dress. Mm-hmm. They've been testing her for steroids, and she's never tested right. positive ever. Right. Right. Um, and they, you know, there's, and there've been obviously comments about, you know, just her physicality and just that right. she's, you know, a very strong when she black grunted. woman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When she grunts and all that stuff. But tying all that, a question I'll ask you, Kim. What do you think about, I guess, how uh, the age of the Me Too movement? I mean, is it working? Is there progress? What do you think? I mean, it's it, it's amazing. It is doing things like forcing some women to tell stories before they're ready. 
-hmm. but maybe it's also enabling them to get the help You're right. that they need. Mm -hmm. So I just, with the Serena Williams thing, it was like, you're, you're a, a pro athlete. You're at the top of your game. You're, you're competing. It's emotional. It's, right. she did nothing that I haven't seen anyone else do. McEnroe. Oh, well, McEnroe. <laughs> exactly. And he was, you know, that, that became a sport in itself. It was. Right. It was you its know, own show. You, you yeah. wanted to watch him f right. for Look that. Out, yeah. I just, I, I can't understand it. And to take away, mm -hmm. it just took away the glory mm -hmm. from the winner. And that, that's the part of it that, that right. breaks my heart. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, there was that horrible that New Zealand cartoon or the Australian yes. cartoon. Oh, with yes. The, yes. Oh, my I mean, yeah. the, the blown-up features and the, I mm -hmm. just, the whole thing was, I don't, I, I, I'm so fired up. I'm having a hard time mm. speaking about it. That just, yeah. that bothers me. And, but yeah. also, you know, back to the Kavanaugh thing, the, the play I'm in now, Dirty Butterfly, is about cycles of abuse. Mm -hmm. and mm. Oh, that's right. Yes. And voyeurism to a certain degree because mm -hmm. it's what, it's this woman Living next Living in between two people, and mm -hmm. you can hear everything through the walls, uh -huh. and they know that she's being abused, right. and it's been going on for a while, mm -hmm. and it's how you choose to help to participate. Do right. you choose to participate? Right. How does it affect your world? And so everything that's – it's just so timely and upsetting and mm -hmm. performing in it. Right. It's feeling more and more important. Mm -hmm. The more that we do it, because it's it's devastating to be in that cycle of abuse, mm -hmm. but also to completely understand why others get desensitized to it right. or mm -hmm. others really tune into it yeah. and almost enjoy it. And what uh, that does, yeah. just the human condition, I mean, it's uh, it's just it's so timely and so important right now. Yeah, I, I would say uh, that's the era. That's what era I would say we're in. We're in this era where we're taking things that are not new, you mm -hmm. know, um, you know, um, cycles of abuse and and oppression that have been around for millennia, some of it, and we're just putting a new face on it by saying this isn't just about these two people. This person's good. This person's bad. This isn't about just one of them or the other one. This is about that whole world that they're in. And how you can be moving through the world with this happening next door to you and not the way you deal with it or don't deal with it is a factor. Yep. Yeah. And we're so focused on the victim and why right. does someone stay and <coughs> right. why are they so dependent. But statistically, it's the abuser mm -hmm. who's so crippled with fear of losing this person that right. they resort to like – Extreme. Prison camp yeah, tactics, sure. right? Yeah. The yeah. degradation, the humiliation mm -hmm. with that undercurrent of abuse. And it's yeah. just right. – it just it breaks a spirit. I don't know. Yeah. I And a system uh, that has yeah. allowed it. I mean, yeah. how many times do we have to hear the story of – I mean, even with uh, Jeffrey Dahmer where um, one guy had gotten out of his place. That's right. And was naked, walking down the street mm -hmm. naked and bleeding. Yeah. And the cops found him and – Dahmer walked up and said, oh, no, he's my friend. Yeah, it's just a lover spat. Yeah, and took him home. The cops said, okay, here you go. Yeah, and the <laughs> cops laughed it off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. And the terror of, mm -hmm. you know, if something does happen to you, mm -hmm. not reporting it is the last thing that you want are fluorescent lights and other people's right. eyes and sure. more men, more yeah. people, more people in yeah. positions of power, more yeah. you just want to 
hide, right? Right. right. Yeah. Tell us about that again. <laughs> so now tell I, them about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. While I probe you, while I take pictures, right. while I expose your flesh so we can, yeah. you yeah. know, re- it's just the system is broken is, and yeah. nasty. And so if anything is coming out of this, I hope that it's that sense of we need to mm-hmm. – handle these people like human beings yeah. and mm-hmm. they are the important part of this equation and then you deal appropriately with the well and then even on that mm-hmm. side yeah. the perpetrator what do you do about that person because on some level what we're saying is this person this person is broken this person is sick yeah so just locking them up is not an answer saving you know protecting the rest of us from them when they were a danger to others yes mm-hmm. absolutely but that can't be the end of the equation no and what happens when they get out i mean yeah. that's that's something else that uh, mm-hmm. uh someone who reports it has to contend with which right? is also happening this week um there was somebody who had kidnapped got caught for kidnapping and they just got out yeah elizabeth smart this is philip i oh. think it's philip garrido's uh, lover. Actually, I don't know if it was Philip. No, I think Philip Reed. I'm, I'm getting people mixed up. Mm-hmm. But the perpetrator had a wife or a common law Partner. wife. Uh-huh. That person got out, and Elizabeth Smart protested it, mm-hmm. and you know she got let out anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on. It was interesting listening to you. So this is personal, but my biological mom, she was sexually molested by her father, uh-huh. by her stepfather, and it was an ongoing thing. And so I had to deal with the anger that she had mm-hmm. growing up. But also, I was her son. So she had to deal with her own anger, but also teach me right. how to be respectable. Yeah. Right. And it was a difficult thing. I mean, I had a very difficult relationship with my mom. I, and listening I to listening you, Kim, talk about how you can hate Let's say what the perpetrator does to you, but let's say if this is someone who you've had to live with for a long time, mm-hmm. or the love of your life, or God forbid, your father. Right. Parents, how do you? Yeah. You know, it's hard to walk away, and it's hard to talk. I mean, yeah. I, I listened to my mother talk about. I couldn't tell other, you know, because family members were like, "Hey, you know, keep right. it quiet." Mm-hmm. Or, right. you know, don't break up the family. Right. Don't embarrass us. That's control. Control is exactly. removing your options, your choices. Having control of someone mm-hmm. is making them feel like they have no no other avenue. Exactly. Right? And that's that's power. That's mm-hmm. what power is. That's exactly right. right. And and that type of power happens in the boardroom, um, you know, I- anywhere. Right. And right. you know, unfortunately it even happens in theater, you know. Mm-hmm. We've we've had, you know, just folks who like directors, you know, say, Hey, I want you to do this and do that, you know. Well that's um so actually, I hope. I mean, we could talk a little bit about our sure. show. Um, I hope you're seeing, and it's so. This is bizarre to be in the position of I'm the director, you're an actor in the show. We're going to talk about process. <laughs> but um, but I was care- careful to say to Corinne that I wanted her there for the uh, velvet scenes because the bedroom scenes. Mm. Um, that I did not want it to be a bunch of guys in the room with one woman. And we're trying to do these intimate scenes. I'm like, um, I really want another woman in the room. Yeah. Well, (laughs) first of all, kudos to you for even for that even being on your radar with everything else going on. That's really important and sensitive of you and safe. It's becoming an awareness that I'm reading about. And I went, oh, my gosh, I can't just do this show. You know, you want to do the drama. You want to get in there and make drama. And I'm like. I don't want to make personal trauma <laughs> while I'm exactly. making drama. I want yeah. us to right. do our work in the room and then put it away and 
go out there and have our lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, of course. No, that that's vital. That's it's it's vital because yeah. uh, you feel, you know, if if you are the only type of someone in a room full of other types of people, mm-hmm. it is debilitating, yeah. even on the tiniest scale. Yeah. You right. you are struggling a little bit right. and it's just that's just the way it is yeah. so yeah good for you and also as a stage manager slash writer i some i check in writer to say hey slash stage mm-hmm. how how are you doing is right. everything okay is there you right. know is there anything that you you know you don't feel comfortable with yeah because mm-hmm. we can always make adjustments and, and things like that right. because it's important that you know the the artist feels emboldened mm-hmm. by this and not, you know, curtailed. Right. So, and also the fight scene. We, I mean, we could talk about that. Act three, scene three. Ooh, between you and Richard. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, how much are we giving away? How much are we not? I love well, that scene. yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it's a fun but, scene. But that's important because also when we talk about there's intimacy, which is difficult to right. do on stage, but there's also controversy. I mean, right. where it gets become physical, you know, physical stuff. Yeah. And that becomes controversial. And then checking in with you, Kim, to make sure you feel safe and sure. comfortable mm-hmm. is important, too. Well, and, and also, and Barry. I mean, right. I, mm-hmm. I give it. Right. I give it as well. But also that, that scene in particular took an interesting turn just with the races of the characters. Right. Because all of a sudden it's a fight between a very strong black man right. and a white woman right. and they're a married couple right. but i mean it's ex- and we've explosive seen her being visually yep up until this point yeah. yeah 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 that was really interesting to to all of a sudden have those eyes on the scene and say oh no wait i don't we don't want this to be Right. We don't want this to be a, a situation where a man twice my size is coming at me. We, right. we want it to be a, a couple's argument that got out of control. Right. And, and where is that balance? And right, right. Yeah, that's that's tricky, tricky mm-hmm. stuff. It is a tricky stuff. And that's some <laughs> beautiful writing. Oh, well, thank you. Beautiful thank you so much. writing. And I'm sure yeah. you're not just saying that because we're here. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. No, let's, uh, it's let's, powerful. We'll, we'll talk more about that and also Dirty Butterfly. Let's get into an origin story. How did you? How did Kim Donovan become an actress? Um, did it uh, begin when you were young? Uh, Tell us where you grew up. I did. I grew up uh, in Florida, uh, Siesta Key, which is off the oh, west wow. coast of Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, I got into theater a little bit. My dad taught at a community college there, and mm. they needed a 16-year-old girl for a play, mm-hmm. and I was 12. Right. <laughs> they brought me in, and mm-hmm. I can't say I was very good, but uh, I loved it. I loved it, and so they kept inviting me in. Uh, to do stuff with the cool. college kids, and that was awesome. Your, your dad was a teacher? What did yeah. he teach? Electronics. Oh, cool. He's an engineer. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I am definitely yeah. the black sheep. Siblings? Do you have any siblings? I have a brother, also okay. an engineer. Oh, right on. Older. He lives in Texas. <laughs> like father, like son. He's, yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> indeed. Now, are you engineering capable? I mean, do you um, like electronics? You know, I can, it's funny, I have no fear uh-huh. around anything like if something's broken if something's i mean they instilled that in mm-hmm. me but i my interest in it is not at all and i'm thinking that was around the time i'm thinking he must have been teaching does he still teach now is he retired he just retired okay yeah, he retired but right around ago. the 70s that was a cool time of electronics where computers are coming around the trs-80 and you know, and the mm. apple II and oh, funny they're, yeah. they're all real some fun stuff and so i'm sure you know that was an interesting time in his life yeah um, I hadn't even thought about that. You're right. People who would have been just, you mm-hmm. know, electronics nerds, yeah, whether they wanted to or not, got pulled into the computer age. Oh yeah, they, they 
they became the folks that were like, oh, well, no, you know the way you do that is. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember, because when I was a kid, my dad would take me to Chinatown in D.C. because the Chinese places, I don't know why, were the places where they had the latest electronics, mm. like the digital watch, which was new oh, in the late right, 70s. Right, right. And uh, <laughs> calculators. I didn't even think right. about the fact that calculators. We didn't even think about it now, but that was a sort of a new thing. It was, yeah. and, and it was banned from classes initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> took them a little while to go, you know what? <laughs> This is just quick and fast. Here. Right. So, um, in high school, did you do a lot of acting? We, no. Uh, we, there were budget cuts. There was no theater department oh, no. in our school. Uh, but I still kept, I still kept that community college. It kept bringing me in for stuff, oh, and I kept great. doing it. And then I um, went to college in Florida and uh, in, uh, Rollins College. Okay. Yeah, near Orlando. And, um studied uh english i'm a big literature nerd mm-hmm. language mm-hmm. nerd and um and theater and then i one summer um went to upstate new york and worked with ensemble studio theater uh in manhattan they had a summer wow. conference up there and yeah. they um they <coughs> said when you graduate come come to the theater and we will find you a place to live and we'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll help you and wow that's what i did and wasn't wasn't sure if I was going to stay mm-hmm. in New York, but they now what years they took is care are these nineties? Are we talking about nineties? Ninety eight. Mm. Ninety eight okay. is when I went to New York. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Just before September eleventh, were you were you there? I was there. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Really? How was that? Yeah. Uh, well, it was. <laughs> I mean, I remember. <clears throat> I remember that sunset when we finally got to go. I was living in Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, and working. Working in Manhattan at the Museum of Modern Art, and I actually had a class scheduled for one of the towers, and they moved the class the night before because the teacher was sick. So Mm -hmm. I think my family knew, my parents knew uh, that I was supposed to be in one of the towers. So Mm. I think they they had a a terrible experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, it was just. I mean, I. I think if I have extra shoes with me, I think that's the fallout from me is for yeah. the rest of my life. I'll have comfortable shoes at quick access so I can mm-hmm. um, run. I can run if needed. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I imagine just the before and after. I mean, I've, I've been to New York, but I haven't gone back since September 11th. So I imagine you must have seen just going through Manhattan after. Yeah. I, I There was a, um, a bar we all went to, Nancy Whiskey Pub, and um, it was just below the line where they had shut off, mm-hmm. you know, the commute, the Manhattan from going anywhere below it. And yeah. uh, they had uh, a special night where they called up some of the regulars and invited us in. And um, they opened up the barricades for us. And we went in and sat and had a drink. And the bartender had – the man who owned the sun had lost. He lost a son. Oh. And uh, the firemen were coming in to get mm. buckets of ice. Yeah. Or whatever they were doing, and it, it just sitting there, and the the smell, and the yeah, just I mean, it's so over. I can feel all of it. I can mm-hmm. I yeah. can see it. I was living in Brooklyn, and you, uh, my TV stopped working, and I took it in to get it fixed. And the guy said, "Yeah, it's it's at like everyone was having problems with their electronics from the ash." Oh, coming right, over and infiltrating, uh-huh. and you yeah. just hmm. the smell and. The sun setting through that smoke right. and the—I yes. mean, it was yeah. the most beautiful, most tragic right. thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I yeah. 
and the I mean talk about people coming together and I, I part of me feels very blessed to have witnessed mm. what New Yorkers did right. in yeah. those the just the first few days afterwards yeah. where yeah I uh, I have a, an crazy. old friend who who lives in New York and when the subject comes up when it comes up on a, that personal level you can just feel this sort of um, I don't know defensiveness this this something in here where I'm like okay we should move on to another subject because yeah. it's a personal thing it's not a hypothetical thing it's not a political thing it's something that he literally walked through I on a daily basis I hear myself happening. speaking about it and I'm I'm not telling you <laughs> I'm, uh-huh, I'm right skirting on. around it because right. it's yeah. like well, I have to function the rest of the day did you, you guys did, did, you, did you work a show during that time because Norman and I talked about how theater people some, sometimes want to be they want to ha- take their minds off of what's going on I never even thought of that I saw Claudia our last um, guest uh-huh. um, I saw Claudia, Claudia. Yeah. that day is um, that right yes I wow. saw her that day yes <laughs> you know I was working at um, at MoMA in New York and they it was so amazing because of course art art can heal right. art can also can, can right. break right? Right, right and they were worried about exploiting right oh. it was like do we bring out all mm-hmm. of our american pride all of our new york pride right. stuff or is that mm-hmm. w- what's what's the line what what's do people want to see yeah, and response. and eventually they did Mm-hmm. They realized people were coming in to right. They needed to see it. to yeah. see the flag to see the right. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's why this whole the the politics right now also is particularly upsetting because sure. I I got to see mm-hmm. I got to see what that flag meant on such mm-hmm. a tragic level. Right. Yeah. And uh, as an artist, as a sensitive human being, as a kind person, it's just like. <laughs> just be, just be nice. Be kind. Care. <laughs> right. Just care about. Right. About, right. about I, others. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I need Kavanaugh to care. Right. It'd yeah. be nice if he presented that. Yeah. That would be nice. That's what I. That's what I. That's what you want in a in a judge. That's what you want in someone who's making decisions mm. based on people's lives. I mean, you just especially you women's want lives. Care yeah. and. Well, that's handling so in context. That was one of the things I said, and I felt the conversation shut down. Mm. Was you know, so let's say, let's be realistic. Based on who he has shown himself to be, best case scenario that I can imagine from this man is for him to go, okay, you know, it's possible, even likely, that something like that may have happened when I was seventeen, um, but I didn't go through with it. My buddy stopped me. I felt. You know, I became a different person, a better mm-hmm. person, and I'm sorry for that as much as I can apologize for it without owning it. You know, I just don't trust that he can really go there. We're not going to have a come to Jesus moment with this man. But I think as seeing him as a Supreme Court justice, if he could say, because Sotomayor has said it, the others have said, I did this, I had that, these were experiences I lived through mm-hmm. that were not perfect, Yeah, but... I learned, I moved on, and I grew as a human being. And instead, this man is trying to present himself to us as if there has been no change but ever in him. Yeah, exactly. yeah and, and that's, that's what you want in a in a politician, in a judge. Is you want someone who has who has lived a life. You want to yeah. hear that you've lived a life right. because I don't I don't want you judging yeah. anything I've done unless you've 
Lift a little. I mean, come on. Beto. I want Beto. Right. Wow, what a thing that is. So, Kim, what brought you to the Bay Area? Um, I uh, did um, a show uh, at the Museum of Modern Art for Pixar. It was uh, the art oh. of Pixar. Mm-hmm. And then um, my mentor in New York, my acting theater mentor, he, he passed away. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Right after that, Pixar. Yeah, Kurt Dempster. He ran. Um, he started Ensemble Studio Theater. He's mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful man. And um, he passed away. And then Pixar called and offered me the job. And it just felt. It just felt like a good time to, to yeah. take a breather and see. And so I moved out here actually to manage. Um, the international installation of that art show. Oh. Mm. So I, I was barely here. I traveled mm-hmm. all over the world putting that up and did a version of it at the Oakland Museum right. here, nice. which was yeah, lovely. Yeah. And um, then, yeah, uh, didn't do any theater, started started doing some voiceover work, but that's so completely, that's just a completely different set of muscles. And mm-hmm. um, I'm physical i'm just a physical person so that's man that's that's hard for me Mm -hmm. i just sweat right all that kinetic energy and i'm stuck in front of a microphone and it just comes out as sweat it's very attractive um so i i was missing something and i didn't know what and a a friend of mine liked um there were auditions for tartuffe happening in concord and i saw that Mm -hmm. and was like oh and my husband was kind of like i saw I saw your eyes light up. Right. And uh, so he took a picture on my iPhone, and that was my headshot. Yeah. And we slapped a resume together, which was funny, uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I went and auditioned and was done. Was like, great, I did that, and I'm done. And then they called me in for the call back. And, mm-hmm. again, my husband was like, I saw your eyes. Right. Go, go, go. So I went, and it was open, and I could see <coughs> everybody. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, I just lit up. I was like, oh. I love this. I love watching people act. I love being mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. I love listening to this guy's direction. I love seeing what it's doing to people. Right. Love it to the point where he had to be like, Kim, Kim, it's your turn. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was in it. Cool. Uh, and then got the part and Anthony Clarveau. Yeah. I had uh, worked with his wife. I acted with her oh, in New okay. York. Uh-huh. Um, and so he called me for the stage bridge thing, right. and I started doing that, and then it all just met you guys, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then Dirty Butterfly happened. So I'm, this is the last two years that's just been knocking some serious rust off. That's cool. Yeah, but yeah. it's fun. I'm it's jumping so into some crazy <gasps> material. Intense. Dirty Butterfly. He sent me a copy of the script, <laughs> and and he had told me before. <laughs> in fact, when he was initially thinking about it, he was thinking it would be we'd see a couple in one space and a neighbor in another space. But the script does not give you any clear delineation in terms of what is going on, what is being overheard, what is conversation. Who you're speaking to even. If I say one line to one actor and say it to the other actor, it completely changes the course of the Mm -hmm. play. So we had to do massive table work to really figure that. Mm. I loved it. Well, I I, I started reading and I said, Dude, can I come to the auditions <laughs> and just see this? Because I'm, I'm, but it's you know it's Anton's well has has really carved out. It's so funny. I always wonder why another theater company starts in Bay Area. I mean, really, you 
you can't turn around without bumping into somebody in some theater somewhere around here. It's just everywhere. So why start another company? Um, Robert has found material that almost nobody else around here is touching or even aware of. Mm -hmm. And it is definitely tapping on a pulse. I mean, there are people came to the last one, uh, Psychosis 448, mm -hmm. familiar with the playwright. And I'm like, I never even heard of this woman. And then I sat there through it, and it was another one where what was what was outlined for you? What there's no stage direction, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know. There's you're going to put this up and shape it, and that one didn't even say how many characters, how many actors should be in it. Yeah. And he had to make those decisions, and they made those decisions yeah. of the cast. Um, he keeps doing that, and it's been incredible. he's been hitting home runs. I mean, we've talked. I remember the earlier in either this year, or last year, there was Tender Napalm. The Human Ear. Uh, this Wide Night. This Wide Night. Was, um, mm -hmm. That was Mary Jo. And that was, oh, my goodness. Because that one felt mm -hmm. in many ways like a more traditional structure for a play. Mm -hmm. uh, but time time elapsed without there being specific um, expository information to mm -hmm. tell you much about the fact of that. It was, you know, what they did with lighting and what the characters did, what the actors did mm -hmm. that told you that. But it definitely outlined this relationship of these two women out of prison and their experience of trying to help and support each other and their inability to do that. And this is – you can always tell that story of that person who overcomes. There's always a Helen Keller, but for every Helen Keller – how many hundreds of deaf and blind people are just languishing in some yeah. corner somewhere? Yeah. You know, and so this was a gorgeous look at two people who we find ourselves rooting for. After a while, you start realizing that they're, un they're tangled in some unhealthy ways, and you hope that they'll get untangled. They don't, really. <laughs> they don't, because yeah. that is human nature. Yeah. And maybe you get to watch the person who figures out how to move forward in a positive way so that you feel some sense of, you know, of resolution. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just not given. It's a – the way he's, he's – uh, these are plays that appeal to him are these things yeah. that just paint this world where it's like, have you heard this world? Have I overheard people having these conversations? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, it's – I was telling Reg earlier, it's, uh, it's amazing to be in a play – where we are so reliant on each other. There's there's three of us. Mm -hmm. It's um, Micah Kavita and Jesse Vaughn. Right. And we are on stage almost the entire time. Mm -hmm. We are locked into each other. We are feeling every nuance, every change, and the, the mood. We're all affecting the mood like you do in real life. Mm -hmm. And the play changes. And you can feel it, and it's not a thing that you can actually lock in and mm -hmm. lock down. And you don't know when the big emotion is coming, but I know that we're all feeling it together, and so it's sincere mm -hmm. and it's real, and I just got goosebumps. I feel really lucky. I mean, the the work that I'm getting to participate in right now mm -hmm. is, is just um, enriching. It's mm -hmm. kind of soul-filling right now, and I'm remembering why I – I did this in the first place so long ago, right? Mm -hmm, like yeah. I, I thought that part of me was wilted and mm. <laughs> and gone, yeah. and I'm on fire. I, f I mm -hmm. feel it. I just, you know, my husband feels it. My kid feels it, right? Like That's I'm fantastic. how I'm handling humanity, how I'm driving down the streets. Just mm -hmm. what's well, amazing because are all me. the women in the cast mothers? 
Is Laura? Oh, Laura in, is the in, in, Florida, in Paris. I haven't, I haven't asked her. Um, but I, other, I think so. The others are mothers, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that and we planned it that way. way. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't plan it that way or aim for it. But the reality is, you know, one of the realities of Bay Area theater is mm-hmm. that people have day jobs. Yeah. yeah. And they have lives, and that takes. This isn't New York. Where everything else, you're supposed to put everything else on hold and right. make this space for this art, this theater that we're doing, this important thing that we're doing. Uh, we have to deal with the realities of people's lives. And I feel fortunate because I've been in enough situations where that's just the reality. Oh, we can't have this rehearsal or we can't do this run through because so and so can't get childcare that sure, night. Right. So they're not going to be there. Mm-hmm. So even though if we could set the schedule, of course that would be the night we'd have a run through. We're not going to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just the reality of it. And it made me realize what happens the first time I w- as an actor was in a show and the director, I don't know why, but the director decided we were going to have the night off before opening, which we almost did with four men. Um, and I, yeah, I was horrified. The looking Kim says that was just great. <laughs> um, I was horrified. I was like, "What are you talking about? No, this is a march, and we got to get to the mountaintop. We can't stop. We can't take a night off. What the hell?" And so we all came in for that opening night, terrified, but on point. And on that night off, if you needed rest, you got rest. If you needed to work on something, you worked on whatever it was you yeah. needed to get yeah. ready, and you got rest. Mm-hmm. And so we actually came in as refreshed as we could possibly be and focused and ready to work. Mm -hmm. So when we were talking with our schedule and it wasn't until we started putting together a rehearsal schedule, our performance space isn't available on Thursday nights. Mm -hmm. Our rehearsal space isn't available on Thursday nights. So we haven't been rehearsing Thursdays. So when I put together the schedule going into tech, I was Mm -hmm. like, well, of course, we'll be off Thursday. And I went, wait a minute. We'll be in the real space. Exactly. We don't. And and I hadn't even said anything. Mm-hmm. What came back was the some people are asking about the holiday, Columbus Day, my birthday. But yeah. okay, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> the eighth, the the, the federal holiday, Columbus Day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, taking off the Monday, and I was like, well, if we take off the Monday, then we can work on the Thursday, and that is probably a little more <laughs> comfortable mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's funny, I. Uh, we interviewed Celia, Cecilia Palmtag, who is a mother who is a theater person. She's worked a lot in the flight deck. And she talked about motherhood and how difficult it is. And she's a single mother mm-hmm. who has to take care of a child mm-hmm. and how tough it is. And she actually take a, took a hiatus from <coughs> doing theater. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'd be interested to, to <coughs> talk to her because my um, – I didn't, I didn't do theater for so long, and I, I had my son, mm-hmm. and my entire sense of, I don't know the right word, actually, sense of culture mm-hmm. changed in how I, how I read things, how I absorb things, what right. affects me, my mm-hmm. emotions, my <coughs> connections to right. things, yeah. and I, um, I'm better. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. I'm better yeah. at everything, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just... No one told me that. I've seen part it a of number it. of times. No one told me that. There are those that women who decide that like they're that. mothers and they go away. There are those women who go, no, I'm going back to whatever my career is, whatever yeah. my focus had been, mm-hmm. but I have to reconfigure yeah. because I have to take care of my child and I, I want to you take want care to. of my child. Uh, it's a part of who I am now. My identity has changed. Yeah. I'm not giving up my old identity, but my n- I have to create a new identity because I can't just be 
who I was. And it's hard. It's <laughs> it's hard being a mom. It's on my special skills on my resume. Oh, good. It says hey, mom because I'm like that's yeah. that's I'm do- that's what I I'm good at that. Yeah. I'm good. I, that and that comes with I don't know how many skills, mm, right? Well, I can take care of everything. He's four. Mm-hmm. He's four. Elliot, yeah. Yay. No, I um I have to talk to a young woman I just did a coaching session with and she didn't get a part. Oh, Evita of all things. Well, they said they wanted somebody who the character goes from like seventeen to thirty something. I mm-hmm. think that's the range. She's like, Well, I can do that. She's almost twenty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, Well, I can do that. And I'm like, you don't understand. You will have to work to create a 30-something-year-old character, a 30-year-old actress who still can try and pass for a, you know, almost teen, late teen, mm-hmm. yeah. um, is not going to have – there's a whole lot of work that she's not going to have to do, right. and she knows what it is to be a teen. So there's a part of – none of this is foreign to her. None of this is her making something up. That's exactly right. There are a lot of – I mean, I used to go out when I was younger – for older roles, thinking mm-hmm. that I was mature enough, and right. no, it's it's completely different. Right. And you know, for a woman, I mean, I think about when I talked with uh, Cecilia on the A, she talked about how her approaching auditions were different. Where right. she talked about scheduling and how's my time going to be used mm-hmm. because that was far more valuable. When she was single, she didn't think about that sort of stuff. Right. She was like, "Hey, I'm eager, eager yeah. beaver. Let me just do whatever the director says." That's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. I kind of – I'm approaching them now as if it's my only – this is my only chance to do this part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just go in with the assumption that that's, that's it mm-hmm. and that I won't see any of you fine people again. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because I, I have that urge to perform so badly uh-huh. now. And, and so I um, – and I don't know what that is. I don't know how to qualify it, but it's just that, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I get to do this part for t- for ten minutes <laughs> for mm-hmm. a group of strangers. Yeah, maybe they'll give me some direction, hopefully, right. and I can I can do it again, and then I'll just pack it up and go home to my my home with mm-hmm. my kid. And my Here, husband, here's a question you know? for you: What <laughs> what sort of techniques did you learn, if any, from your time in New York? Oh gosh, for for acting mm-hmm. for, um. I don't even know how to – I mean, it's so – it was sure. a while ago, and it feels so ingrained. I did mm-hmm. – last year, um, I took a class with a woman named Allison Rudder, mm-hmm. and she, um, she used to work with the Barrow Group in New York, and she teaches their style out here. And uh, it's a very simple, very cut mm-hmm. and dry, very, mm-hmm. you know, just make it easy, right? Take uh-huh. everything down a notch. Take it easy. Um, which is what I need, right? Because I, I do mm-hmm. get a little, I do get fired up. Uh, and that just, that has really affected mm-hmm. me this last year. And mm-hmm. I just took the class for fun, but she she just has a way you get up, you do something, and then she just very simply strips you down mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. has you do it again. And to be able to, to be able to be that simple, is so direct and so vulnerable and so mm-hmm. lovely yeah. if, you, if you're yeah. really doing yeah. it. And, mm-hmm. um, As a director, yeah. Norman, do you find that actors bring too much on the table or try to do too much? We, I mean, in talking about simplicity. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, but, you know, it's – we all read these pieces, and there's an emotional journey mm-hmm. that is required of the character. And it's easy to to get caught up in that. So the character is going to get angry. 
the character is going to experience heartbreak. And, you know, the, and the trick is to not telegraph that, to not start with that knowledge. And what I've been realizing more and more is the, so let's identify, if we know that's where we're going to get to, what state are we in before that happens? And what does the script tell us about that? And how can we develop that side of this story so that when you get to that point where you go through that emotional journey, we get to go there with you. And, you know, I've been pushing mm -hmm. on our script that, mm -hmm. you know, and in fact, we keep making discoveries. We just made a discovery this week um, that there's in the structure of the piece, you know, I'm not giving anything away. James Baldwin wrote Giovanni's Room. Mm -hmm. People know about Giovanni's Room. Um, Giovanni ends up dying, right? Yep. Getting killed. That's right. In Giovanni's Room. It's a tragic story. Mm -hmm. We mirror that in an interesting way in the play. And... Reg hadn't realized it until I brought it up in rehearsal, mm -hmm. and he was like, "Oh, I was like, yeah." And it's <laughs> I'm not brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you want to overplay. It's not something that you want to forecast. It's something that if an audience member picks that up, that's a juicy little nugget. Yeah. But we don't want to beat them up. We don't want to lose the real moments, the real life moments between these characters, because we're setting up this symbolic thing. You know, it wasn't an, an intentionally symbolic thing, mm -hmm. it, um, but it is a gorgeously symbolic thing. That's a good point because the discovery – because I know what you mean because as a young actor, you're like, okay, this is where I get angry. Right. And then you play the anger, and there is no discovery because you, you're projecting it. You're, you're already headed towards <clears throat> it. You're, right. You're, we see you walking, and mm -hmm. you walk right to the point we saw you walking to, and you arrived. Yeah. No, we need to see you trying to go somewhere else. And something happens that we see happen, and yeah. then you land there. Yeah, the whole discovery and, you know, discovering why someone is, is, is there and, and all the other little nuances mm. that you may take for granted as a young well, actor. Well, and that's so important for me. I have to remind myself what the audience knows at right. certain right. points in the process because I, you do get so caught up in mm -hmm. your character and, and what's happening in your arc, and right. you forget that the whole point is storytelling, right? right? Mm -hmm. So I really do have to go back and simmer down and go through and say, okay, no, wait, they don't they don't have this information that well, I have. and layering. Let's help. Like yeah. we, were, we put a lot of time in on the last scene. Yes, which I love that you did that. And then we went to the first scene, and it was like, okay. Yep. And we had done a How table we read there? where we talked about the first scene and what it was and what I especially thought was important. But when we got it on its feet, we'd already gone through this other place where we knew we were going. Viscerally, we understood where we were going to. Now it's like, okay, so with that in mind, how do we carve that away and leave a space that allows us to get there but isn't just about aiming to get there? Yeah. Oh, that was super, super effective and, and helpful and beautiful stuff came out of it. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it's got a gorgeous show. No, our rehearsals have been um, – limited because i've been doing the other play <laughs> but they it, they've mm -hmm. just been so packed with stuff mm -hmm. you guys are good well i've i've been enjoying all of the actors mm -hmm. um and trying to see because i come in with what i think i need to do or we need to get done and then i notice that somebody's making certain choices and initially it's always like a gnat you know it's like a fruit fly it's just an annoying thing that you can't really see but it's bugging the hell out of you until you go, well, wait a minute, what is it doing? And then you start seeing how it's telling the story. And you're like, oh, 
Okay, so that is a great choice. Now, maybe we need to delay, and that's been my, for the last two weeks, that's been my big note throughout the script. I keep mm -hmm. writing in delay, delay, delay. Mm -hmm. That's a great instinct. You're getting there too soon, you know. Yeah. Let this other moment be. You're losing a moment mm -hmm. because you know that you need to get to this other moment. So let's let that happen. But before I got there was me going, oh, I had a totally different concept of what we were doing or how we were going to get there. You're coming up with something that is gorgeous and juicy. Let me put mine on a back burner and maybe it's going to go away. But it, how does this still get us to where we need to go? Oh, you know, I love I love – I love the idea of getting in trouble. It's an improv thing, right? Yeah. Don't be afraid of getting in trouble, especially trust your scene partners. Don't be afraid of getting in trouble because you may not have a solution. You may not be able to get out of this, but your scene partner might come up with something mm -hmm. brilliant. And the audience will think it was you. <laughs> They'll think, oh, my God, you knew when you got yourself in trouble that this person was like, no, you saw the expression on my face. <laughs> yeah. I sincerely had a thank you, Jesus. How the hell did you come up with that moment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's been mm -hmm. it's been that process because we've got what three storylines basically we've got the Richard and Ellen mm -hmm. we got James Baldwin and his art mm -hmm. and uh, Chester who gets caught between two women and how is that going to how is that going to develop but more importantly all of these are stories of four black men who left America intentionally and by the end of the play they can no longer stay in Paris. You know, for mm -hmm. each has their own reasons why. And it's like, so all of this needs to fold into pushing us to this point. Mm. And what's great is in order for us to really appreciate it, we first have to fall in love with Paris yep. and their lives in Paris. Mm -hmm. So we have to see that whole life come mm -hmm. into fruition. So I'm looking for every moment. I, yeah. I stuck in a character. Uh, the cafe lady yeah. is, is a wonderful character. And I, and I found... Well, I have to check with you. Uh -huh. <laughs> I have to check with the players. I found a moment for – I knew we were going to make her fall in love with one of the characters. I had to have a moment where a little bit of heartbreak happens, and uh -huh. I think I found it. Oh, cool. So, uh, what, more discoveries. That's awesome. And Yeah, yeah. so it's been, it's been great, and mm -hmm. it's been allowing the actors to affect what we're doing and where we're going. It was a joy. I worked with Kim on this um, – stage bridge thing and so mostly it was like i gotta figure out what i'm doing in these scenes that i've been given but hearing a little bit about what other people were yeah, doing yeah and i was like well you know she might be good for ella let me call her in but then i go to because i know robert i went to the dirty butterfly auditions yeah that's right you were there yes and and it's funny because this young woman that i coached was the first person who came in that day and i didn't know she was coming <laughs> And so she walked in the room, and you we saw each around. other, and was like, oh, crap. Well, yeah, I've known her since she was three. Oh, so, yeah, it was like, uh, this is awkward and embarrassing. And then you came in, and I thought, oh, gosh, I really selfishly hope that Robert finds somebody else <laughs> because I'm going to be calling Kim in, and I don't want this to be a problem between me and Robert. Like, I actually won't offer Kim the role. If this becomes, you know, this comes up between theater companies, and mm -hmm. I've, I've always been an advocate for the actor mm -hmm. to have some voice in this. Um, so I actually reached out to you, you and it made it a three-way conversation um, to find out how we were going to resolve this, if we were going to yeah. resolve it. To your credit, Tim, that shows how great an actor you are, <laughs> because both 
Robert Estes, <laughs> and we were fighting for you. And, you know, we're like, well, listen, let's make a compromise. It's almost like a player playing on two teams. Right. <laughs> it really is. And and we, during the casting process, were trying to look for other people. But you and I were having a pretty good conversation about you were interested, you wanted to take this on, you felt like the commitment would work. Yeah. And so it was dealing with Robert in a time when Robert was having a lot of personal struggles. <laughs> yeah. And so he was just not available. And I thought, oh, this is between him and me. This is not good. <laughs> and then finally, when he got in touch with me, yeah, this happened and that happened and I have to do this. And I was like, oh, okay, you got some serious stuff that you need to deal with on a personal level. Um, I just need an answer on this. And he's like, well, I can't really answer you until I meet with the actors and find out what our schedule is going to be. And I was like, okay, until you actually say no to me, <laughs> I'm going to keep assuming that it's possible we can make this work. Well, mm -hmm. I'm so glad it did because I, I am ashamed to admit how little I knew about anything that you'd written about in your play. And so for me, it's been this amazing... Yeah. And I would like to think that... If history you lesson. If mm -hmm. you didn't like the play, then you probably wouldn't have... have oh, no, I, I wouldn't pile this on <laughs> myself at, at, at right. all, but yeah. um, I, I j it just felt, it felt so important. And mm -hmm. it also, it's it's different enough that mm -hmm. Dirty Butterfly is, is heavy and lyrical and I mean the first half is basically a, a poem that mm -hmm. three people are sharing mm -hmm. they're they're finishing each other's lines and mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. ebbing and flowing and then the second scene is hyper realistic and yeah. in your face and <clears throat> it's so nice to leave that and go to rehearsal where it's a a man and a woman mm -hmm. in a relationship trying right. to figure out right that domestic that drama yeah and it yeah. just it's it's been such a lovely balance for me i think it's actually keeping me from getting sucked down yeah. into the because you know when you do mm. heavy plays it yeah it can affect you so it's been it's i'm well, thankful yeah, yeah, for your it your worldview your yeah. worldview so yeah. many times yeah. you see it everywhere because yeah. you're trying to feed your play yep. yeah so you're trying to see in the world how it's mm -hmm. reflecting the world yeah. that you're bringing yeah. to life on stage yeah. but the richard and ellen is heavy in a different way it's funny talking. You know that I've been talking to Ellen Hervey, yes, who is the your character's granddaughter. It's amazing. Yeah, and so and I gave her the play, yeah. and of course she had some issues. She didn't necessarily like the fight scene. She was like, "Well, I don't know if my parents. I'm sorry, my grandparents would have right. fought." And I right because couples never <laughs> certainly <laughs> right. not grandparents. Grandparents. So I very <laughs> no sex, no fighting. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I very eloquently, you know, told her. Well, you know, I know that your grandmom was away, not necessarily because she needed to go away, but she was away when Richard died. Right. And when we did before the dream, that was the thing that popped up in my head when I right. played uh, Richard, Richard Wright, yeah. and I was like, wow. I'm died. I'm on my deathbed, and my wife isn't with me. I wonder right. what happened. Right. And we know how cantankerous Richard Wright can, can be. be. Yeah. Especially with the sickness. Yes. And especially with dealing with. Well, he was hard on all his relationships. He, he was. It's been reported over and over again how mm -hmm. hard he could be on people. Yeah. And the question I want to ask. Ralph Ellison hated him. Yeah. <laughs> now, hated isn't the right word. Mm -hmm. Ralph Ellison hated any suggestion mm -hmm. that he had any relationship with Richard Wright artistically. Yeah. And James Baldwin has written books about his yes. cantankerous relationship with, with Richard, Richard, where he yeah. wanted it to be warm. Yeah. 
but it never could be because Richard never allowed himself to be. Right. So of course, if he's doing that with his friends, how can I mean it, it, his wife? Yeah. yeah. So I, I told her, listen, it is fiction. Mm-hmm. It is artistic because that's what writers do, right. especially right. Spring, uh, playwrights. Mm-hmm. But I do want to talk about how important Ellen is. I wanted to flush out right. how balanced she is as right. opposed to Velvet and Fatima. For sure. And that she's an independent woman. Mm-hmm. And she was very interesting. You know, Ellen Hervey, she doesn't know a lot about her hist- about the history about the of Ellen. History, yeah. yeah. Everyone knows about Richard Wright because everyone writes about them, but right. no one writes about Ellen. Right. And I wanted to give Ellen a sort of foundation, a strong yeah. foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about, I guess, the character Ellen Wright, especially the, the interracial? I don't know if you've ever dated someone who... Pretend we're just two guys interviewing you and not the director and playwright. Right, exactly, because we're talking way too much. <laughs> it, it, it is sh- it's shocking to me. I mean, what a, what a cool woman. Yeah. What, a, what an amazing, at that time, to be able to follow not just your heart, but, I mean, they were, they were fighting the fight together, right? They right. were... They were they were in love with their ideals. They mm-hmm. were it just they they fired each other up, and mm-hmm. I I can't get over the time that this happened. That yeah. they were an uh, an interracial couple in the forties. In yeah. the forties, long before the Loving case, long and he had a, yeah. a yeah. career, right? Right. That they they survived on his career being yeah. an interracial couple in love. Yeah, uh, it's. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And that that complicated thing where it, it is in the forties and the what there are wifely duties there. Yeah. The feminine arts and yeah. you know, you get mm-hmm. married and you, you kind of you do you yeah. do put your identity aside and yeah. you you mm-hmm. are there to support your well, man especially and once you've got kids. Yes, and yeah. he he deserved supporting, right? right? So I imagine for her when he starts to not deserve support. Right. That that is a break in every bond they have. Their whole relationship yeah. is right. built on that. Yeah. It's, it's it's painful and, I hadn't thought and of it. beautiful. They both have to leave the Communist Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I'm amazing. Yeah. I I I'm I am fascinated. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by them, and yeah. I I feel that I I mean support support support. You support someone, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they keep saying, "I'll take care." I'll you know, right. I've got it. I'll I've do got my. It. I made a it. commitment to taking yep. care of this, and I'm not doing Let's it. Not but I will not acknowledge it. it. Yeah. yeah, and and I, mm-hmm. uh, when that person is repeatedly letting you down, mm-hmm. what that does to someone yeah. who's strong, who yeah. did give up their dreams for you. And it's funny when yeah. I talked to Norman about the casting of Ellen, we were very. We said we wanted to make sure that Ellen didn't make her a naggy person that oh. she had yeah. to find yeah. the love. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the reasons why he chose you because apparently I wasn't there during the auditions. But oh, that's right, you were. Yeah. Yes, but I guess you handled the script or well, it was what was and it was what Kim was describing before. It was a bit of a cattle call. Everybody in the same room, which mm-hmm. I didn't know was going to happen, and yeah. I actually don't like. Um, but uh, you got to hear direction towards other people about where to go with the script, and which was great because we had actually we were running low on time, right. so it. it Right, I didn't we didn't have to get repeat. to talk at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mm-hmm. was thankful for that. But it was wonderful to see when the writing makes it easy. It's an easy choice for an actor to just go to the oh, my character is emotionally this. So my character is keeps questioning him and harping on what's going on and why aren't you taking care of things. So 
you know, it was easy for actresses to fall into the nag place with that. And I'm like, can you make her somebody else who's a little more secure and has a reason to trust that this should be happening? Yeah. But, but it isn't happening right now. So she's just looking for an answer to her question, you know, as opposed to, you know, and to find that love, to make sure that we got two, we got, we see this character three scenes. We want to see the first two scenes that there's some sense of partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, those are the little notes for me in those scenes are the, like, this is a moment. Circle this moment. Team. This is a moment where y'all team. can be team, team, yeah. team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I, and we, I feel bad because this is really about you, <laughs> Kim. Mm-hmm. But um, when I wrote about, I, I'm, I'm interested in, because we see on TV and the movies all the time, loving relationships, relationships right. that everything works out just fine. The mm-hmm. kids are wonderful. Everyone's wonderful. We need to see disruptions in relationships and how people can so try their very best to hold on mm-hmm. when people are not on the same page. Yeah. I think it's very, very important to see that. And I don't see it enough. Well, I'm feeling like, mm-hmm. you know, as a relatively newly married person, two, two and a half years, um, I'm finding that I'm now being more careful to only talk to other married couples about certain things because mm. people will suddenly, the next time I see somebody, they're like, so is everything okay? I'm like, well, oh, right. The last time I saw you, that, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. No, because you have to, in order to be a full <laughs> being, you have to have those moments where you suddenly are kind of bumping into somebody yeah. or not on the same page with somebody. And you have to get through that. You can't be on the same page with someone all the time. That's It'd be a little scary. I'd also just be boring. It would mm-hmm. be. So right? that's going to happen, and that's fine. And sometimes you need to vent about it. So I'm venting now with other couples. Yes. <laughs> and even that, I'm having to be careful. The people mm-hmm. who used to vent to me, you know, old <laughs> friends who used to vent to me, I'm like, okay, I can come to you now and vent. And even all of them I can't vent to, I'm realizing. They, Is everything okay? Yeah. I've heard you talk about getting divorced, and I knew that you weren't going to get divorced, that you probably weren't going to get divorced, but I knew that you were telling me how pissed you are and how you were willing to look at the possibility that if your partner didn't get it together or y'all couldn't resolve this, you would go to the mat. And I'm like, you have to hold on to that. I'm an individual. I never stopped being an individual. There are certain things that could happen that could put me to the place where I'd say I'm getting divorced. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to try and keep that from happening because that's not what I want, <laughs> and I don't imagine it. But if I let go of that, then I become less me. If I don't have my edge, yeah, then yeah. how am I still me? How am I not just us? Yeah. yeah. By the way, how's your marriage? Uh, very funny. <laughs> it's, you know, I was just thinking about we had um, – I think before Brian and I were married, I was traveling internationally all the time and, um, you know, wicked jet lag. And I was in the kitchen, and I was trying to cook. And he came in and looked at me, and I just started leaking, like mm-hmm. tears just leaking out of my face. And I turned around and kind of slid down the oven and sat on the floor. And I remember holding on to a spatula, and it was just mm. – it was a rough trip. It was a rough – you know, and um, he stood there for a little bit and looked at me, and he said, you do you, and come get me when you're ready. And he mm. left, and I, I knew – he knew me enough to not touch, to not coddle, right, to not to not say, "Oh, baby, it's going to be okay." Right. Certainly not to tell me to calm down or not to cry. Right, right, right. He he knew enough to be like, "I support you in this 
You're mm. being a blob on the floor. Awesome. Right. I'm going to go over here, and, but I'm here when mm. you're ready. And I just wow. was like, man, that <clears throat> man knows me. He knows yeah. me. Yeah. That's a great feeling. Because I, you know, mm-hmm. we all have different needs when we're right. when we're in the zone. And right. Yeah, for him to recognize that. Wow, that's that. a great story. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty, it, it was it, pivotal it, for me. Mm-hmm. You it know? tells you that's, that's a depth. Now yeah. we can have those edges and there's space for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. We've hit the one-hour mark. Um, <laughs> Shout-outs. Uh, birthday today, I think, is Christine Young's birthday, I think. It, it was somebody's birthday who I was like, oh, my God, one of my favorite people in Bay Area <laughs> Theater. Um, or was that yesterday? Um, no, Phil Wong's birthday is today. Um, he went, we went, uh, we did the Lucille Berlin project and went to, um, uh, Paris. Mm. He is currently in Kiss at Shotgun Players. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil, Phil's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and I read a thing online on Facebook, um, a little dialogue between he and the director, um, that was just gorgeous about why he cast. It wasn't specifically just Phil, but why he cast the way he cast and how much he appreciated Phil. Phil talking about how he had gotten in a role that wasn't a typical role for him and how he'd appreciate it. You know, it was just gorgeous. So, yay. Happy birthday to him. <laughs> uh, Josh Costello, um, who keeps – is he taking over the Aurora? Um, he's been directing at the Aurora. I shouldn't have even said that other thing. Ignore that. You didn't hear that. You did not hear that here. Uh, Christine Young's birthday was Friday. Whose birthdays are coming up? John Hutchinson? John Hutchinson? John the Hutch. Oh, you took mine. Yeah. 82 years old. Damn. That was a great interview. He was an interview that I had. The first one, so I do these graphs. I do these um, these statistics. Right. He's the only one of the greatest generation that I've interviewed. Oh, he nice. Was born, he was born, you know, when Franklin D. Roosevelt mm. was the president. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, somebody went to high school with Julie Waldman, who I believe is in New York. Uh, Kathleen Ridley, um, amazing actress. Eric Reed, who... Um, I directed Skateboard earlier this year. Eric directed it in the workshop, and I played the lead character. And he liked my work so much, he kept going. He was in another show, and he kept going to rehearsals and saying, Norman G is fantastic. You should have <laughs> cast Norman G as my father. And they eventually fired the other actor and brought me in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a friend. Happy birthday. That was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and he's in L.A. now. Uh, Brenda Lamberty is a local a comedian actress, um, and she was in L.A. for a while. She's back up here taking care of family but and doing the comedy circuit. She's mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, Cara Phillips, and I always forget about her, um, actress. I did a show at the Shelton, God of Carnage. I ended up having three wives. They let the first wife go, or there was a dispute between them, and I'm not sure if she walked or they let her go. Um, the second wife could do the run. I think that was Carr was the second wife. She could do the run except for one, uh, two nights that mm. she could not do, and they brought in a third person to do that. It was so bizarre. I've always wanted to do but that play. Uh, Taya, Taya, Taya Tuggle, um, local actress. Carrie Path, amazing actress in the Bay Area. Jenny Reed, um, director, Bay Area director. Mm-hmm. Kevin Carrick is an amazing actor. If you've never seen him, he did a lot of stuff with Shotgun Players back in the day. Um, just amazing. Um, I got to do Man and Superman with him, and mm. he played the lead character. Um, he's so funny because as a person, he's got a bit of an edge to him. Um, he brings that into his character, but he's also got this incredible warmth and then this mind that just encompasses more than all of that. So he's never petty. He can have an edge, but he's never petty. He's kind of cool. 
And Kevin Lassett, um, I got to do a big film role once, and Kevin was, there were like three main characters, and Kevin was the third guy. Um, and his son is now starting to do film work. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. You had a little kid. <laughs> it's been that long? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, other people's kids make Oh, and I old. should put out a my birthday twin. Uh, Glenn's birthday is actually a week from tomorrow. All right. Uh, Glenn Wickman. And we went to high school together. So happy birthday to you all. So the birthdays that I have um, on Sunday, along with John Hutchinson, Linda Ayers Frederick. Yay! Who runs the um, Phoenix Theater. Yes. Um, also, Justin Sadoian, who runs, I believe he runs now, Ray of Light Theater. Oh, okay. Uh, it used to be Shane Ray, and I think Justin's taken over. Mm. So his birthday is um, Tuesday. Uh-huh. And then um, Leslie McClellan, I've worked with her. She's a local actor. She does a lot of work for the um, the Douglas Morrison. I've done a couple mm. of um, musicals mm-hmm. uh, with her, uh, One Ten in the Shade. And uh, Colin Johnson... Uh, his birthday is Friday. Yeah, Colin. Yeah, you know, we know two Colin Johnsons. There's, oh, there's one another. who's an actor. Oh, there's okay. another who is a great set designer and lighting designer. Oh. So. Okay. I believe it's that Colin Johnson sure. who is on Friday. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, cool. Shows? Uh, we were saying Kiss, uh, yeah. Shotgun Players. And you're going to see Dirty Butterfly tonight, right? <gasps> I'm going to see Dirty Butterfly tonight. I cannot wait. Yeah. Um, hopefully Mara will get there in time. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone should come see Dirty Butterfly. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it's at the Waterfront Theater, right? It yeah. is on 4th Street in Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Mattress at the Douglas Morrison Theater, where our show will Uh-oh. be next. Um, I thought I had another one. There's, oh, gosh, I should have it. What is it? Um... The show that the Lower Bottom Players is doing. Um, ah, I did. I flipped back. Yay. Um, they, uh, is that it? No, that's not it. Uh, they're doing a show. And I'm not coming up with it. If you got one, go for it. <laughs> um, the Ray of Light Theater. They're doing Hedwig and the Angry Itch. Um, that opens, well, uh, I think that, well, that's running um, September... Well, obviously, it's running now until October the 6th. So yeah. that's running. Uh, and also, uh, um, go ahead. You Color it? Girls. No, I haven't found it. I'm oh, still looking yeah. for that one. For Color Girls who have, commit, who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. African-American uh, Shakes. African-American oh. Shakes, directed right by on. my good friend Elizabeth Carter. And that's a limited, super limited yeah, run, I think. It's the 15th. or not? Yeah, it's like three weekends or yeah, something. So. Yeah, Okay. That'll be quick. Uh, the SF Olympians 9, Roman Holiday. Oh, that's right. That will be opening uh, October the 3rd at the Exit Theater. And I have a couple of friends. Uh, Colin Hussey, our good friend Colin Hussey, will oh. be in it. Can I plug something yeah, else? Absolutely. Please. I'm in a, um, a sci-fi podcast, a serial podcast that's been going on for a couple of years now. And um, Mashable just wrote it up. It's oh, like nice. one of the top, you know, 15 mm-hmm. serial podcasts to listen to and we just got back into production, but if you like sci-fi, it's called The Leviathan Chronicles. Rock and, uh, on. Super, cool. super fun. I play a really great, yeah. great character. I'll plug that. Also, um, uh, Piano Fight has Terrorama 3, <laughs> dead, of the, dead the whole time. <laughs> so who knows what's going on there. Uh, did you have anything else? I'm looking for this lower bottom. Come on, y'all. <laughs> lower bottom. I'll have to edit this. You just like saying lower bottom. <laughs> no, it's okay. Not coming up. It's okay. 
<laughs> the only thing else I'll put out is, so I saw this cool thing on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and apparently you can get it as a 3D printer. So as a birthday gift, I would love this. Um, it's the Harriet Tubman $20 stamp. Ah, I saw that. I saw yes. that. You posted that. Um, because apparently the Trump administration has decided that they're not going to put Harriet Tubman on the 20. They, you know, <laughs> what's great is the we mechanisms of at, government we'll look at don't make again. it easy yeah. to just say no to that. But they're doing whatever they can to try and slow that. And then the people in the Treasury are doing what they can to keep it alive. So it's not dead yet, but Good. it looks like it's going to be oh dead. Oh, my gosh. So instead, somebody made a printer – um, stamp where you can get Harriet Tubman's face and it's already sized so you can take it and just stamp onto a 20 that's right that's right over his face that's right and right yeah, over Andrew so Jackson's it's a gorgeous face image. now it's fantastic okay. <laughs> so certain birthday boy would love that <laughs> there you go well Kim did you enjoy yourself I did uh, yeah you guys aren't you're not so bad wow. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much <laughs> All righty. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for the Yay. You'll find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or download SoundCloud.com and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you want to advertise a show or if you just want to advertise yourself, hit us up on Facebook and we'll take it from there. And, and we've, we've got to find a better sign-off. Sign and we are out. Here.